This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Oh, Luna, how do you get so high? Welcome to Why We Are Here with empowerment coach, energy healer, and visionary author Sharon Rose Washington. Why We Are Here is a portal of heartfelt communication designed to inspire you with expansive words of wisdom, personal insight, and open candor from luminary guests around the world. Now, here's your host, Sharon Rose Washington. Hello, and welcome to Why We Are Here. I'm your host, Sharon Rose Washington, and my admired guest today is Shadow Stevens. Every time I say his name, it makes me kind of want to whisper. Shadow's one of the most renowned voices, both nationally and internationally, throughout the world. His eclectic background is in various genres of the entertainment industry that ranges from radio broadcasting, uh, television, film. He's at the top of the food chain in voiceovers and commercials. He's also an author of children's books, the Big Galoot series, and he is extremely creative in visual arts. He's a branding wizard. He's an elevator, a shapeshifter, and a very, very high profile on the internet. He has hosted America's Top 40, and he's also host and creator now, Mental Radio. We'll get back to that a little bit later. But Shadow Stevens also is the voice announcer for the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. Now, for many years, he's had a distinctive career and made his mark by captivating us while creating new paradigms of programming. Now, I believe he's a good reason for all of us to appreciate and celebrate why we are here. Welcome, Shadow. Thank you so much. It's the pleasure. It is all mine. Well, we're really excited to have you. And do you mind if we celebrate you today? Is that okay with you? <laughs> sure. That'd be fun. Okay. We'll celebrate you. And, and while we're celebrating you, maybe somebody out there will have a few epiphanies. Because when you're around, all kind of different things happen, you know? Epiphanies, yeah. Peak moments, sure. Now, when I think of words to describe, you know, what a Shadow Stevens is, you know, the, the stuff you're made of, I, I think of energetic, uh, brilliant, uh, innovative, uh, optimistic, and, and contagious. But, but I kind of mean that in a really good way, if you know what I mean. Well, I like all of that. I, I think that my, uh, my best attribute that I was given by my parents in life is enthusiasm. And they're the two things that I, that I most had, um, cherish and go for, enthusiasm and inspiration. And what I, uh, I've been seeking to have more of, I want to be enthused and inspired all the time. That's not a lot to ask. No, it's but you not. know, what's interesting about, about both words is that they both mean in God. And theos is from the Greek, means uh, in God, and inspiration is in spirit. And both of those attributes can't be manufactured by life. You can't, Beautiful. like, 
inside to have that. It's a connection with something bigger than yourself. Beautiful. Where did the name Shadow Stevens come from? How did that come about? It is God's baffling and incomprehensible sense of humor. It came. Okay. <laughs> it, was, it was. It was given to me against my will. Against your but will. Uh, interestingly, it means it is a uh, Native American and means he who walks with the light. Beautiful. Beautiful. And then, then I heard uh, many years later, after I had become it, um, a friend of mine said I've been reading this book about Danish history and found that the name Shadow, spelled S-H-A-D-O-E, in Denmark is a name of royalty. And, and he said, and my hair stood on him when I read it. It was like, I had never heard that before in my life. I've heard Shadow say that it's Native American as long as I can remember. But here it is in Danish history as uh, a name of royalty. And I thought, well, that's cool. I'm going to go with that. Well, I, I, um, when I close, I'll be, I'm going to be calling you a king. I've already made note of that. So I guess it's, it's definitely suiting. <laughs> yeah. At least in my own mind. Now, you're a character. You've, you've had so many names uh, when you've done television, and I'm going to take you back a little bit to a television show that you were working on with actor Mario Van Peebles, uh, a show called Sunny Spoon. Yeah. You were Deuce. That was your name. And one of my favorite names ever. And I didn't yeah, write that one. Steve Cannell did. Okay, because I was going to ask you if, you if you were the one that came up with that name. I wish. Say that again? I wish. Okay. One of the things about that character, and if anyone out there uh, has had a chance to see any of the Sunny Spoon shows, you talked so fast, and I wondered how could your brain be able to translate everything that you said so fast? Were these lines that they gave you, or did you kind of sometimes just kind of ad lib? No, that's all the script. But I learned to speak fast, um, you know, in you know when I was in radio, and then that was perfected when I was doing the Federated commercials, and I, you know, I did 1,100 television commercials for a Federated called, with a fast-talking, you know, uh, pitch man called Fred Rated, and it was a character that I created, and, and one of the things we did is a takeoff of the Federal Express commercial where the guy talked real fast back in the 80s, and, the, and, and I had to work so hard at writing it so that it would flow on the tongue and the consonants wouldn't clash and I would get tongue-tied. So I, I learned to write to say things fast. So I, I had to work so hard learning it that I still remember it to this day. It was, listen fast, I don't have a lot of time to talk, and I've been irritated and furious and frustrated by the dedicated Federated team. We've got a fantastic revelation from other men. Sound good? Good. No, right place, right product, right with people planning to pay more and prepared to get less. <laughs> I remember Federated, and you had, not only did you talk fast, but you played... I want to say hundreds of characters. I remember one where you're sitting around a table and it's, I don't know, six people, but it's all you. It's, it's so many different people. That was people. the one, the board of directors, and, and, I, and it was all the, uh, there were all these uh, asides, everybody knowing, yeah, right, 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 absolutely, right you are. Was that like a spoof on, on the board of directors for Federated at all? Because I, I also... No, not so much for Federated, but in board of directors of all corporations everywhere, where everybody is a, a know-it-all and, and absolutely and, and, and an expert. How did you get them to... Because um, it seems as if you had complete creative control. From what I understand, did you write the copy and produce and do a lot of... Did you bring your friends on to work with you? 
how did you? It happened because I was doing their radio commercials, and I was in to negotiate a new radio contract. And the television completely was a gift of the heavens. I um, I sat there while the president of the company um, ranted about how much he hated their television commercials with the television producer who was sitting in the same room with me in the conference room, and he showed it over and over on the big screen. And he told him how much he hated him for two hours. This this meeting went on forever as I sat there, and he was talking only about television. And at the end of the rant, he said, don't you understand? I want something simple and funny that makes you remember the name Federated. Is that too much to ask? And I said off the top of my head, I said, well, how about this? I'll go on and do a Dan Aykroyd. Saturday Night Live, Bassomatic Pitchman, and talk fast and be a parody of a pitchman. And at the end, I'll take a circus hammer and I'll say, Federated smashes prices. I'll smash the television with the hammer and then turn to the camera and say, get it? And he went, that's pretty funny. That's really funny. And I said, well, if it works, will you give me creative control? Because I never want to do the same thing twice or people will want to kill me. If I go and smash the television every commercial for you know, months or years, people want to take my life. And he said, okay, fair enough. So we did the first commercials, and business went up 500% that weekend, and we were off and running. And, and I ended up, I worked with a, um, their crew at the beginning, and then I put together a small crew of my own. And then I found these five guys that were brilliant, and for the next, Four years, we did everything together and turned out five, six, seven a week. And no commercial ever ran longer than 10 days. Yeah. Now, you have a work ethic that's out of this world. What what motivates you, Shadow? <laughs> I, um, I have a short attention span and sure. I want to stay sane. I have a motto, which is suffer or get busy, because I believe that an idle mind will destroy me. An idle mind is what? There's a whole thing that I could talk of. You know, we could spend the whole show talking about this, which is, you know, basically um, the, the, the filtering architecture of the human brain is built to be pessimistic. It has all kinds of built-in attributes. It's always looking for what's wrong. And there's cognitive bias, which is it tends to believe things it's predisposed to believe. There's negativity bias, which is the brain tends to give more weight to what's negative than what's positive. It has the bandwagon effect. The brain tends to believe what everyone else around you is believing. And then there's the amygdala. The amygdala is this part of the brain. It's the storehouse for fear and phobias. And it's like looking for saber-toothed tigers. It's, it's always on, on the alert to look for what you need to be protected from. And it'll make it up if it has to. But it's on guard. And once activated, it becomes hypervigilant and then starts making lists. You know, yeah. it looks through your brain looking for other things that went wrong. This, didn't, this isn't going to work. And here's why. Because this failed and that failed and this failed and that failed. And why are you even doing this anyway? You know, what's the point? And, and it makes this whole... It's, paint scary pictures of what ifs and I don't want to suffer. So I, I keep busy. 
on what I can do. Do you see yourself as a warrior or, or a rebel? I don't know so much a rebel. I would say uh, I have a bit of a warrior mentality. I, I certainly um, am focused. Yeah. And, and I, I try to accomplish a lot, and I try to uh, be diligent about being optimistic and uh, having a positive. I don't really think that, there's an, that there is an alternative to mm-hmm. being optimistic. Because once you let the first negative thought in your brain it starts making lists, and pretty soon you're crippled and small and full of doubt and fear, and you're certain that nothing's going to work out. And as soon as you fall into that, then you pretty much um, are doomed to nothing working out because you're not doing anything. <laughs> you know? right. If you're in right. motion, you've got a chance. Now, you, you began your career in radio uh, by the age of, I don't know, 10 or 11, which, which by the way, this like blows my mind. So I want to ask you, what was in your oatmeal or the Kool-Aid? You know, it was, it was simply, I guess, uh, you know, I, I, I say that I'm a self-proclaimed project, prodigy. I was really in love with the magic of uh, radio. And my dad had, um, had bought a tape recorder and I could record and play back and hear things. And then I learned how to put little things together by recording them separately and they would go right after each other and I thought that is fantastic. And my uncle who owned radio stations heard of my passion for this and he sent me a, a what's called a wireless transmitter. Mm-hmm. And that was a kit that you would put together that would allow you to broadcast from one room to another to a radio in another room. So I went to the local um, television shop and talk to the guy in the back who is uh, an engineer, and we could soup it up, we could make it stronger. And then I, he told me how to put up a big antenna from the top of the house to the top of the tree in the backyard, about a 100-foot antenna. And pretty soon I was able to broadcast for a mile in every direction. I mean, this is magical. We'd put on a record and we would go out in, in the car and see how far we could hear my station. So I did that, you know, when I was 10. And then they discovered me on the station, on a local station, on a thing called Man on the Street program. They had Man on the Street. The guy would talk to anybody on the street. That was it. It was the whole program. And there I come, I walk along, and he says, well, what are you interested in? And I said, well, art and um, radio, I guess. And he goes, radio? Well, really? And I tell him about my little pirate radio station, and he was fascinated. And had me come down to the station and talk to management. And they put me on the air as the world's youngest disc jockey. Now, urban legend has it that that was picked up in, in Life magazine at the time. I've never seen it, and I don't know if it's true, but I like to take credit for it. <laughs> okay, I, I was going to ask you about that. So, yeah, so you say it's an urban legend? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it, enough people have said it, and it's been repeated enough times where maybe it's true, but I don't know. Okay, well, we, have we, a copy. we I have decree. a copy of the Jamestown Sun, Jamestown, North Dakota, that says World's Youngest Disc Jockey, and that's pretty funny all by itself. But Okay, well, we decree it as a truth. It's a truth. Okay. Uh, tell me, I'm kind of curious about your parents. You mentioned your dad a second ago, and you kind of, what were these galactical beings like? What were your parents like? My parents were superhuman. I had a Norman Rockwell childhood. I was not prepared for the real world. My parents didn't drink, smoke use drugs, curse, or fight in front of the kids. They owned 
clothing stores and toy stores and go-kart tracks and fireworks stands on the 4th of July where all of the kids, there were, I was the oldest of five, and we all ran a different fireworks stand when we were kids. And Dad would, would go between them and collect the money and keep track of what was in and what was sold and everything and teach us all how to sell. And uh, we had lake homes and speedboats and water skiing, and it was extraordinary. And this was in North Dakota, right, where you grew yeah. up? Where you... Yeah. How important do you think uh, our roots are? You've, you've had some beautiful <clears throat> roots. How important do you think our roots are, our past? I think they're, they're incredibly important. I mean, you can't diminish any of that. It, it's, um, it, it helps determine who we are. And yet, um, you know, I still went on to uh, become a drug addict and, uh, you know, went into a hardcore, insane life for a long time and then miraculously got out of it through an intervention by that same family. So it isn't like, um, you know, I guess it, it's passed on in the genes. And even though my parents had nothing to do with alcohol my whole life, um, somebody did in the, in the Norwegian past, apparently. Yeah. Well, this is fascinating. We'll have to take a short break, though, for a commercial, and we'll be right back to celebrate more from my insightful guest, Shadow Stevens. Stay tuned. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Do you ever feel stuck on a hamster wheel? Constantly running but getting nowhere? Ready to try something different? The secret is actually quite simple. When you fall in love with yourself, everything else falls into place, personally and professionally. Each week, you can find out how to choose your energy and change your life with your host, Deborah Jane Wells. It's time to get unstuck, reclaim your personal power, and recapture your zest for living. Tune in to Choose Your Energy, Change Your Life, Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up-close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. Welcome back to Why We Are Here with empowerment coach, energy healer, and visionary author Sharon Rose Washington. If you have a question about the program or would like to share a comment, please send an email to Sharon at whywearehere.info. That's Sharon at whywearehere.info. Now, back to the show. You're on a mission from God. Okay, and yes, we're still here. The the show that keeps your mind in mind, uh, Mental Radio, and we have with us now Daphne Van Horn's Translations for the Urban Impaired, Translations for Survival in an Urban World. A lot of people don't know what these new words mean, real words being used by real people. Our correspondent from the Upper West Side, 
Daphne Van Horn. Welcome again. Hello, Shadow. So we meet again. Yes, we all are. We all, of course, need to understand terminology and the slang of today's space age. Go, go, young people. And we're so happy you're able to share that with us. Indeed. And this week, we've got a few terms that all of us should be aware of. Okay, go ahead. What is our first? The first one is noob. Noob. Okay, is that right? Exactly. Okay, so then the next would be what? Nooblatoid arthritic... <laughs> Arthriticus? Arthriticus. This I one's see. a horrible one. Oh, and yes. people actually use it. Nubletoid th- arthriticus. Yes, it's something that a lot of our listeners are going to want to use again and again. It sounds like a disease. <laughs> it sounds like something that's on your back. I, I, you know, I had to get a salve for my nubletoid arthriticus. Yeah, a cream or something. <laughs> yeah, some kind of a cream. Yeah, and I itch in the middle of the night and have to get up. Oh, that nubletoid just sat there aching, infected. And in translation. The next one is zip your soup cooler. Zip your soup cooler. Okay, I want to use that along with nubatoid arthriticus and just basic noob. So, so can I use my soup cooler to blow off the steam? So that was from Mental Radio, Daphne Van Horn. Now, who, who is she again? Well, Daphne Van Horn is a, an expert in terminology. And she is, uh, does reports from all over the world, from... Uh, the Urban Lingo Festivals in New York and New Delhi, and from Mumbai <laughs> to uh, to uh, you know uh, places around you know like Perky Nipple Bay, uh, okay, and on the beach in California. Yeah, she you is, mentioned. Uh, she is an expert in in the terminology of our times, and all all the reports are from. Uh, different locations as she explains to us word, real words that are being used by real people in the real world of the 21st century. These are, in fact, real words. And she explains what the words are and what they basically mean and sometimes gives examples of, you know, what they are. No, I'm very familiar with soup coolers. I've known soup coolers for years. We're back with our guest, um, Shadow Stevens. And um, we just were listening to Daphne Van Horn and Shadow with... Uh, she was doing. Uh, she was letting you know about some language that she's familiar with, and and I think what was that nublatoid arthriticus? Was that something else? That- <laughs> I know. I know. There are so many. I don't even remember. But this is a this is a feature from metal radio, and and the idea, the whole idea of metal radio is it burn it blurs the the line between reality and imagination. It's interviews with some of the most interesting people in the world and real radio theater. That's highly produced and makes it sound really real. So we will go from interviews uh, that are really real, like a Himalayan yogi who's actually meditated in the caves in the Himalayas, talking about consciousness and about the power of meditation, to uh, a physicist, a real physicist, talking about the real potential, theoretical potential of the Earth being hollow, and that it could be a crust with yeah. gravity in the crust pulling in and out at the same time. And he goes into great detail about it. And it's also interviews with people like um, a guy who said that he was uh, visited by extraterrestrials that um, uh, visited him in his 18-wheeler in 1997. And that night he grew two shoe sizes overnight. And he was absolutely sincere and went on to tell me in the interview that he is now an artist 
on 63 other planets. Oh, gosh. What was the inspiration behind Mental Radio? Mental Radio was um, my uh, partner, Dr. Freeze, Sam Freeze, is a radio guy that worked at K-Rock in Los Angeles, which is a station that I basically started. Yeah, I know K-Rock. Um, I remember K-Rock. Many years ago. You started that with, with, with nothing, with, with a bare budget, didn't you? The, the worst. The, the saga, I could, I could talk to you for an hour and a half about K-Rock alone. It mm-hmm. is one of the weirdest stories ever. And, well, I want- uh, and how I ended up uh, creating that programming and, and starting it and signing it on the air and all that. But anyway, in the 80s, Sam worked there, and Sam always wanted to work with me. So he came to me a couple of years ago and said, I, I want to put together the resources to be able to start this program. And I'd like to do some kind of a show about, um, not just about the occult, but about everything that's interesting and weird and strange about the world. And he didn't really have an idea. It was more like, you know, astrology and, and, uh, and um, you know, comparative religion and that kind of stuff. And so... Once he engaged me, you know, brought the money in to be able to do it, I created, you know, this idea of mental radio, and everything on the website and everything you hear is all created by me in my studio. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I really love it. I was listening the other day to mental radio, and you, my daughter, and a good friend of hers, we were all listening to it. And it kind of took us in almost like, you know, a wormhole into Alice in the rabbit hole, because after... A certain amount of time, we realized time had really gone by, and we were just, you know, listening to your show. You can you can lose yourself in it, and uh, you had said something uh, to the effect of uh, the world is filled with fabricated information told with great conviction. Yeah, I well, love that's, that. That's our little world <laughs> told with absolute sincerity and, and, and that, or no, with great sincerity and absolute conviction, and that's and that's yeah, that's that we treat. The real and the completely made up with the same sincerity, and um, and it's a, so that it's sort of a creative assault on your your defenseless sense of humor. Well, I love it. I mean, what it reminds me of, if you know anything about Tumblr or Instagram, they're images, but mental radio, you're listening and it takes you, it sucks you in, and you go in, and it's like going in through different nuances and everything, but you just. It's just so much, and you can't tell, like you said. Sometimes it's hard to say, is this for real, or is this like Daphne uh, Van Horn, you know? It's, well, it's, Daphne it's, Van Horn is something that I wrote and, and produced, and it's my daughter playing the, the role of Daphne, and, and all of that stuff taking place in Mumbai or New Delhi or wherever is all done in the studio, and we did it all live. It was all like, you know, put together the sounds, put together the thing, and play it like theater. And it, uh, but all the words are all real. It was all, it's all built on, on things uh, from, you know, that you learn online from different places like Urban Dictionary and, and other places that talk about words that people use and, and slogans and terminology. And I find it fascinating and hilarious. It is. It's great. Where do people find Metal Radio? Just so you can let them know. Mentalradio.net. Or you can hear it on Sirius XM on channel 165 on Tuesday nights at uh, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific. I want to ask you about meditation. Um, you've been meditating for a long time, right? Yeah. 
How long have you been meditating? I started meditating in the 1970s and uh, have gone through many different kinds of learning deeper and deeper kinds of meditation. And I, um, a couple of years ago, <clears throat> no, about a year and a half ago, on Metal Radio, I interviewed this Himalayan yogi, Yogi Raj Siddhanath from India. And it was an extraordinary talk. You can listen to it online uh, on Mental Radio. It's easy to find. It's in the highlight section at the top of the page. And he, uh, while, we were, while we were interviewing him, and I'd never met him, and I knew very little about him before he came in the studio, uh, after he left, my engineer turned to me and he said, i got to tell you what happened while you were interviewing him. And I said, what? He goes, I'm looking at his face, and his face morphed into mm. other faces, and it freaked me out. He said, I kept like looking away and blinking my eyes, thinking, am I hallucinating? What's happening? And, it, and he said, and it went on and on throughout the whole interview. And at one point, he even looked at me with a kind of twinkle in his eyes, like, I got you, didn't I? He said, <laughs> who is this guy? He's got, like, some kind of power or something. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Well, just from the conversation, he was so articulate and so deep and so specific, I had to know more. So I went to several of his talks and, and um, meditations and experienced the same thing. And um, he talks about Kriya Yoga, which is, they call the lightning path. It's, it's difficult to do, and it is really powerful. And I had learned that back in the 80s from Self-Realization Fellowship. That's something taught by Paramahansa Yogananda. Mm-hmm. And I had gone through and been initiated with them, but I never practiced it. And when I learned it from Yogi Raj, it was so specific and so powerful that I immediately started doing it. And I have continued to do it for the last year and a half, um, usually between 2 and 3 in the morning. Okay, I, I was going to ask you. Yeah, I was going to ask you about a set time of, of the day that you meditate. Um, what's a good mantra? Do you have a mantra you can give to our audience well, out there? You, I'll tell you very specifically. The best way to start, and, and and I do this when I when I talk, because people think that to meditate is to quiet your mind, to make your mind quiet, and you simply can't. And, and meditation isn't about contemplating. It isn't about thinking about nice things. It isn't about like trying to direct your mind into a, a happy land. It is concentration of the highest form. So concentration is what you, how you focus your mind to learn a, a math or a new computer program or a new language. And meditation is single-minded focus on one thing, and that one thing is spirituality. And the way you do it is you sit down, your back straight, like in an upright chair, or sit cross-legged on the floor if you're comfortable doing that, and put your hands in your lap, close your eyes, and watch your breath. And watch your breath go in your nose and out your nose very gently. And that's it. You focus just on the air goes in and the air goes out. And then you add a spiritually charged word. Spiritually charged words are called mantras. 
and they can be very basic. It can be just the word God. It does it is non-denominational. Or you can use the word Om, which is prevalent in basically all the religions, but it's the sound of the universe. It has all of the, all of the sounds of the universe inside of it. It's Aum. And if you, you just say it mentally as you breathe in and mentally as you breathe out. And that's all. And here's what will happen if you sit down to do it. You'll do it, and you'll go, and you'll be thinking, um, and you'll break out, and you'll be thinking, um, and then you breathe in. And your mind will go, this isn't working for me. This might work for him. This might work for a lot of other people. This isn't for me, because I've got a lot of things to do. I've got things to do, and I've got places to go, and I've got grabs to make that list. I've got that list I have to do, and I forgot to brush my teeth, and I need to get, and I've got that thing that I've got, oh, and I forgot to the point. And you realize that your mind is chattering. And you don't try and stop it. You just become aware of the fact that it's making words and making thoughts. And you go back to breathing in and breathing out with the om. And what will happen if you persist is that your heart will slow down and your body will get quiet and go into a, a sleep-like state where it's very calm. Sometimes it will get so quiet it's like a film. And you experience pure awareness, pure consciousness, the the I am, the witness, the, that part of you that is not your body, which is born, lives, and dies. It is everlasting conscious spirit that is connected to, choose your word, God, the almighty mover, the force, Luke, um, or Phil. You can call him Phil if you like. <laughs> <laughs> you can give him a sense of humor if you like. It doesn't matter. But the point is that this little glimpse of consciousness, this pinpoint or sparkle of consciousness that we have in us is connected to the absolute. And the more we practice, the greater that awareness becomes. And this is cumulative. It goes on for your entire life. It continually, subtly, slowly gets better and better and better. And you get glimpses of extraordinary vision of that which is beyond you. Have you had an out-of-body uh, experience? It seems like you're someone who's had not just one, maybe many. Have you ever had an out-of-body experience? I, I have had out-of-body, and that's what led me to my first to, to, to studying comparative religion and quantum physics and out-of-body experiences and the occult and meditation in the first place way back in the 70s. And I uh, thought, I've got to find a way to get back here, and I don't know what I'm doing. So I learned, I first learned transcendental meditation, which I think is quite good. And that's what um, the Beach Boys, or the Beatles did, Beach Boys did. Um, right. and, uh, and a lot of people, Howard Stern does, and a lot of people do. For me, it was, um, it, it was impersonal and not enough. And I wanted more, so I kept looking and found deeper, deeper forms of meditation. It were more powerful and would take you deeper. And this has gone on for, you know, decades. What's your take on uh, the show's called Why We Are Here? What's your take on why you are here, first of all, Shadow? Um, to serve. But I think that the, the main thing in life that we're here for is to have conscious contact with the Supreme, I, I'll give you a great quote. Um, 
And, and this, <laughs> this is from a, um, an Indian master named Ramakrishna. And he said, one must become mad with love in order to realize God. When a person attains ecstatic love of God, all the pores of the skin, even the roots of the hair, become like so many sexual organs. And in every pore, the aspirant enjoys the happiness of communion with the supreme universal self. Every pore, even the roots of the hair, become like so many sexual organs. This is worth aspiring to. That's spectacular. Yeah. Tell me about it. That's what I want. <laughs> Do you think the world's too serious? Clearly. I believe that the sense of humor is the only sense that makes any sense, and the only sense that makes the other senses worthwhile. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. How, yeah. How important is humor in your life, would you say? My son, I had a son when I was very young, he once asked me when... Um, when he was young, about six or seven years old, he said, what do you think is, what's your favorite thing about life? And I told him, uh, laughing. Mm. Laughing is, is incomprehensible. Where did that come from? How does an atheist justify laughing? Where, you know, or, or describe love? You know, how can, how can there be laughter and love in a world that uh, is an accidental, meaningless ordeal? that happened at random out of an impersonal universe. I don't understand that. For, to be an atheist, you have to be smug. Mm. You are absolutely secure in the fact that everything in the universe is just an accident. You have contempt for faith, and you're condescending to people who, in their words, believe in an imaginary friend. Mm. It's just astonishing. Uh, Bill Maher, who's, the, who's really funny, and I really like him, actually, but he's the high priest, the priest of the atheist movement. And he said, basically, he said in an interview recently, he said, um, basically, that these sad little people are all suffering from the purposeful suspension of critical thinking. It's a genius. I mm. bet he got erect when he thought that line. He thought, that's like... Oh. That simply allows the atheist to dismiss all the wisdom of thousands of years by countless souls who spent their entire lives studying, praying, and meditating so that millions of people will have meaning in their lives and be given strength and purpose. <laughs> you could say, oh yes, they just, they have the purposeful suspension of critical thinking. That's well, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you on, on that, Shadow, and I think meditation is extremely important, and I appreciate what you shared with our, our listeners uh, about you and meditation. We're going to take a quick break, and in the meantime, you may find me on Twitter at Sharon Isis Rose or email me at Sharon at info. We'll be right back after the following announcement. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Are you happy with the management and leadership style of your organization? Do you think it could use some improvement? 
No matter the level of leadership at your organization, you'll be sure to learn something new when you tune in to Adesis Methodology for Collaborative Management for Exceptional Results with Dr. Ishak Adesis. Through a unique lecture and interview format, we'll bring you ideas, questions, and answers that will help you run any organization, whether for-profit or not. Listen every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Welcome back to Why We Are Here with empowerment coach, energy healer, and visionary author Sharon Rose Washington. If you have a question about the program or would like to share a comment, please send an email to Sharon at whywearehere.info. That's Sharon at whywearehere.info. Now, back to the show. Hello, welcome back. I'm Sharon Rose Washington, and I'm here with my distinguished luminary guest, Shadow Stevens. Uh, In the introduction, Shadow, I mentioned that you're an author of children's books. Uh, Yes. What's the name Uh, of the series? Talk to me about the series of books. Well, I've written a bunch of children's books, but much to my chagrin, they uh, only one has been sort of published and made available, and it has yet to become a household word. Uh, it has its own saga, and what's perplexing and interesting about it is that it's about it's about bullying, and it's about never giving up, and it has required me never giving up on it to keep it going, and that never giving up has gone on from. 1996, when I wrote it for my children, after I had written a massive three-book three epic called The Button-Sided Hooey, and I realized, which is sort of like Lewis Carroll meets Dr. Seuss, and I realized that, that I'd broken all the rules. It's a chapter book for children written in verse, and nobody's going to publish this. What I needed was a simple book that everybody could, you know, that would set the path. And so I wrote it, The Big Galoot. And it was signed to Dove Publishing, and it was set to come out in 1997. And after it was ready to go to the printer, just as it was about to be mailed, there was a hostile overthrow of the company. The corporation was overthrown. The CEO and the president were thrown out. They canceled the children's division. They bankrupted the company in six months. That company was um, absorbed by another company, which went bankrupt. And the assets were absorbed by a third company, which was a, which was folded into a fourth company. And it took 10 years for me to get the rights to my own book back. Wow. Then I, I had it published in China, or I had printed in China with my family and brought it back here. And no distributor would talk to me. They, they would say, oh, no, no, if you had six or eight titles, we might consider talking to you. But no, no, we don't, we don't do one-offs. <laughs> And so I, uh, and yet it has great quotes from Whoopi Goldberg and Henry uh, Winkler and Dick Clark and Gene Simmons and everybody who's ever read it, uh, read it to children, uh, um, has raved about it. I've given the collective edition to celebrities at the Academy Awards and and a year later, they sought me out to say, oh, I hope I was hoping I'd run into you this year because I wanted to thank you for that book. My daughter says it changed her life. 
And um, it's available online. You can get it on Kindle really easily on Kindle. Um, or you can get it on iPad. And the iPad version is really fabulous. It has a, I, I narrated the whole thing, and every page is narrated. And it has sound design on it, so it plays like radio theater. Each page has, you know, when the thunder cracks and the wolves howl, it comes right out of the page. And as I read the words, as I say each word, it highlights on the page, so you can follow it along on the page, and it brings the page to life. And it's like four ninety five on iPad. It's really simple to look for big galoot at the uh, iBook store. Well, it, it sounds very timely because if you're discussing bullying and now with the Internet and a lot of that going on in schools and so forth, and normally it, whatever you touch turns to gold. So maybe it's just that you were kind of ahead of the game and, and now it's, it's, um, you've been on the Empowerment Channel now with us and it's, your sales are going to go through the roof. How's that sound? I like the uh, I like the vision. That works for me. <laughs> okay. Oh, I wanted to get back. I wanted to tell you this thing about because we were talking about atheists. Yes. Okay. okay go so, ahead. Here, here's the wrap on atheists. To be an atheist, you have to believe that everything just came together in some kind of cosmic accident. It's sort of accidentally rich with pleasure and pain and beauty and love and laughter, and it's all in perfect order. Accidentally. So. To be an atheist, you have to believe in the theory of random hostility. You have to believe that everything there would have, behind everything, there'd have to be some kind of malevolent force that says, you're crippled, you're blind. You, I'm going to give you a break. There's no logic in that. There's no order. It's a random belief in a universe that's in perfect order. And everything is in such perfect order as far as the eye can see, from spider webs to ducks flying south for the winter, uh, from the changing of the seasons to the orbiting of solar systems and galaxies, galaxies, everything in the universe is in perfect order, and it's mind-boggling. So then I discovered this physicist named Sir Roger Penrose in the UK, and he helped develop the theories about black holes. And he observed this phenomenon, and he calculated the chance of an ordered universe happening at random from out of chaos. Mm. And it's a number like 1 in 10 to the 10th to the 30th. It's a number so incomprehensibly huge that if you programmed a computer to write a million zeros a second, it would take a million times the age of the universe just to write it down. I think those are good odds. A million zeros a second times a million times the age of the universe to 1. <laughs> I agree with you. I want to ask you, since we're talking about this, who is Rocky Waters? I want you to tell us. I I know who Rocky Waters is. I want the audience, if some of them don't know, but I'm completely fascinated with Rocky Waters. Well, let me see. How do I describe Rocky Waters? Rocky, this is a series, a, a, some art pieces that I did. It's a series of... Um, say seven or eight uh, canvases, and they're all pretty big. They're four by six feet tall, I would say. And I came up with this design that I like to do, which is a, a combination of acrylic paints. And I would create things I've got pretty good in Photoshop. So I would create pictures in Photoshop so that, that were like I'd like them. And then I would print them, and then I would cut the, the pictures that I printed into thousands of little pieces. And then I'd lay them out on a table, and I'd create these um, 
these montages, these collages of uh, artwork made from things I painted and things that would be um, put together kind of like M.C. Escher. And uh, and I call it the trans-dimensional symbolism of Rocky Waters. And Rocky Waters is, is kind of a metaphor for going through difficult times. Everybody faces things difficult times. And then I did the, the thing that I did with them is I, I you know how how uh, ostentatious it is that when you talk to people in an art gallery, when they explain art to you and they and they, t- they use this terminology that is just like, what? what? Yes, I do. Yeah, I do. The minimalist movement, you know, it's the minimalist movement is just paint in the pure essence. Of the blue. So what I did is I, I wrote them, every one of these pictures has a name like a name like the gravitational pull of sanity, <clears throat> and then uh, my my uh, description will be like the illusion of stability gets a brain kick in the attention glands when Rocky Waters and Rocky is this guy from the 1930s, this little guy who's kicking a football like a, a field goal, and he's got the old like leather hat on and his arms are out to the side and he's got the one leg kicking high in the air and. He's kicking his way through reality. So Rocky Waters boots the world into a forced perspective contained in explosive webs and complex relationships unleashed as a hemorrhage cracks the cheerful veneer of the accepted and the unexpected. And it's words like that. It's like you, you look at it and you go, what the hell is he saying? I love it. Actually it actually is saying something, but it's said so complicated. <laughs> I love it. I think it's, I think it's extremely intelligent, but it's also healing. Are you going to ever do a show or something with your work? I have. I haven't had <clears throat> the resources to to have what I need to do, and and I have. I've had these things in storage in boxes so that the light wouldn't uh, diminish the the uh, colors for years. And what you need to do is you need to go do high resolution scans and uh, digital prints on on canvas of the pieces, but they're so huge. It's very expensive. You know, it's um, three or four hundred dollars a piece just to do the scan, and I haven't had the ability or the time to deal with that. Okay. So time just keeps marching on, and one of these days, maybe this year, I'll get to that. And yeah, I, really? I would love to do that because then once you do it with digitally, you can make them any size. It can be four by six, or it can be, you know, nine by twelve feet tall. Right. But they're 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 really you, when you see them on my website, they're these tiny little pictures that doesn't do them justice. But when you see them in reality, they're real optical illusions, and they they play they they look real three D and kind of play tricks on your eyes. It's they're a lot of fun to look at. Well, we have a couple of questions. Um, people responded to Sharon at Why We're Here dot info. Uh, could you answer a couple of questions from people out there? Sure. Okay, we have a person named Jason from Van Nuys, California, and Jason wants to know, um, he said, though you went to college and you started your career at 11, do you think a formal education uh, college is necessary today with so many creative avenues available? And Jason is 15, and he wants to be a professional blogger. Uh, well, uh, yes and no. I'll tell you what what formal education does. It isn't that by going and getting this kind of broad-based education that you're going to remember what you learned um, learning higher math or any of it. What, what it teaches you to do is how to think 
and how to problem solve, which is going to become really important when all of a sudden you're not in school anymore and you're left on your own and you have to, like, figure out what do I do, how do I talk to people, how do I communicate, how do I, how do I write, you know, how do I present myself. And when the shit hits the fan, you know, as it does with everyone and things get really difficult, how do I keep going? What do I do? What are, what are my resources? What do I? How do I uh, face the unknown? And having a formal education, if you actually apply yourself and study, gives you your brain the ability to problem solve at, at a higher vibration. Yeah, that's that's good. Uh, thank you, Jason. And the next question is from Amy. Amy's from Tucson, Arizona, and she wants to know: Is there an official Shadow Stevens Day? And if not, how can we get one started? <laughs> no, there is not that I know of. I've never heard anything like that. But there, interestingly enough, there is a um, Shadow Facebook of everyone whose name Shadow S H A D O E. And there are several hundred of them around the world. And for the most part, apparently, they were all named after me by, you know, mothers who, you know, uh, liked what I was doing back in the day and named their children. They're, they're girls and boys, and, and uh, they're Chinese, and they're Japanese, and they're from Brooklyn. And it's, it's really amazing. So we have a lot of little shadows running around. Yeah, apparently so. Okay, and then we have one last question. It's from Luke. Uh, thank you, Amy, for that. Um, he's local. He's here in Los Angeles. He's in the Santa Monica, uh, California area, and he wants to know if you're on the list for space travel or are you building your own spaceship? And he says, if so, is there room for one more? <laughs> uh, no, I'm not on the list, and um, I don't know if that's really interesting or not. I'm... I'm as you know, I'm, I'm seriously interested in um, the interior universe, and I've had experiences that have revealed to me that the universe within is even greater and uh, more expansive than the incomprehensible work, uh, universe without. Yes. We, we look at the, we look at this universe out there, and and we've been. Physicists and, and astronomers talk about how big it is. Your mind can't even take it in. But um, the, uh, Yogi Raj, and, we, and I asked him about God. He said, "Well, you have luck. For thousands of years, people have tried to prove the existence of God, and they've failed. And for thousands of years, people have tried to disprove the existence of God, and they too have failed. Why? Because." It is impossible to comprehend an infinite God with a finite mind. It is not a matter for intellectual speculation. It is purely an experiential. And each person must experience it for himself. And that's where it becomes real. And the only way to do that is through meditation. What's coming up for you? We're we're almost um, at the end of this, and I'm really going to miss you. By the way, when you're gone, but what is coming up uh, for you and 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 uh, mental radio or any of the other things that you're working on, Shadow? What I'm trying to do right now is uh, a new incarnation of, of mental radio and, and make it available on 
podcasts on iTunes. I started doing that some time ago and then fell off, and I'm trying to get back to that now and, and make it uh, more available because uh, people have gotten really used to that now and get. And I have lots of content, okay. so I can create these things endlessly, and then see. Uh, you know, I'm still exploring the idea of doing more live shows and. I have a, a number of other projects that yeah, I have quite a few projects, frankly. But um, okay. one I can tell you about is um, is going on for thirty years. It's um, the uh, silent version of the Thief of Baghdad. I fell in love with in the seventies, and I started putting together a contemporary soundtracks to it because I think it's one of the most magical films of all time. And over the years, I discovered the perfect music, and I have done it over and over again. I've probably done it a hundred times. And I, I did it on VHS back in the 80s, and then I got my own studio in, in the late 90s and and uh, up until today. And I have uh, been working on this, and my dream is to, um, is to release it completely restored and colorized. And you can now colorize old, this is a 90-year-old movie, black and white, and you can colorize it in the palette of your choice. And my, my palette is Maxfield Parish. Uh, Shadow uh, Stevens, it's been such a pleasure having you on Why We Are Here. Thank you so much for coming Thank on. Thank you. I appreciate it. And now for my final thought. My guest today, the notable voiceologist. And if you look that up in the dictionary, it's not there. Voiceology, voiceologist, I made it up, but I like it. Shadow Stevens has lived more than one life in this lifetime. He was born a king, yet has the heart and soul of a whimsical child. He has made choices to persevere no matter what, and has created a very rich, colorful palette in which to make choices from, for his sacred personal life and in his illustrious career. It seems to have all begun with the fullness of humor, dignity, and fearlessness since he was a child. May he rock and roll forever. We all have to take a moment to pause in wonder and pontificate on why we are here. No life is meaningless. No breath is wasted. We are all a beautiful, natural part of creation, making life happen. Until next time, please keep me in your heart, and I promise to always keep you in mine. Remember, the kingdom, queendom lies within. Always stay rooted in Mother Earth, lifted by Father Sky, and continue to walk side by side with the ancestors. Have an enchanting evening. I'm your host, empowerment coach, healer, visionary author, Sharon Rose Washington. We hope you've enjoyed listening to visionary author Sharon Rose Washington and her insightful luminary guest. Please join us for another powerfully transformative show next Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on Why We Are Here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For questions, information, and appointments, Sharon can be reached at Sharon at whywearehere.info. Or for direct empowerment coaching and healing, call 866-231-HEAL. That's 866-231-HEAL. Keep your